Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. And good morning. Thanks for listening to Mornings Well Without Carmen today. As we're talking, Carmen, right now, probably at a hospital, getting checked in, because in about an hour, she'll be having surgery. She mentioned it yesterday, so it's nothing, no surprise, but she has a small spot of melanoma on her neck, and she's going to have surgery to remove that in uh, about an hour. I'm Paul Perot, usually on the other side of the glass, uh, running the controls. That's where Ryan is this morning. So, Ryan, thanks for getting up so early. Absolutely. Happy to be here. It's good to have you with us. Now... If you heard just a few minutes ago, you're listening on Faith Radio, you heard today's Growing Your Faith verse. I want to look at that again. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up in you to trouble you, corrupting many. Now, I, I, Roman, or rather, Hebrews is an interesting book to me because, okay, you have the famous Hebrews 11 passage, uh, that chapter, the faith chapter. You hear all the stories of triumphant faith and people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Esau and Moses and Rahab. And then the writer says, oh, we don't have time to talk about all these other people that he names because he doesn't go into detail there. But then he changes gears. Then he talks, he winds down that chapter about the enduring faith of those who were tortured, imprisoned, murdered for their faith, who suffered because they would not turn away from trusting God and following God. It doesn't name them, I think, partly because there were so many. That's the norm of this world. So as we transition to Hebrews 12, we are applying the truths of Hebrews 11 to our lives and, in fact, talks about Jesus who suffered more than more than any of us, as the author and perfecter of our faith who endured the cross, yes, now seated in the place of honor at the Father's right side, he endured, and he calls us to do the same. So as we look at Hebrews 12, 14, and 15, we are called to endure the hostilities of this world, accepting it as discipline and not be embittered. And in the midst of our verse today, we are called to work at living at peace with everyone. It doesn't say we will have peace with everyone, just we're supposed to do our part, to work at it. But to live out the kingdom principles, like Jesus, of seeking out peace, the the peace and wholeness of others. And we're to work at personally having holy lives, understanding those who are not followers of God probably won't see and understand what we're doing. And plus looking after each other and pointing them back to the grace that is theirs in Christ. There's so much in that passage, and I I would hope that you spend time meditating on that, as well as if you're part of our Through the the Bible, reading through the Bible series in 1 Peter, actually today's verses in that book of of, uh, Peter has so much that connects with what we're looking at today in Hebrews. So I would encourage you to do that. We started that yesterday, the Reading Through the Bible, First Peter series. You can still sign up and be part of that. 
at MyFaithRadio.com. Quickly looking at some news headlines. Of course, all eyes on the Caribbean right now as Hurricane Ian is uh, rapidly intensifying. It is uh, right around Cuba and the Grand Caymans causing havoc there right now. So pray for the people there. And Ian is expected to make its way up to the east side of Florida, somewhere between the Panhandle and about Fort Myers or so. There are warnings up in that area and could, right now it has wind gusts around 30, uh, pardon me, 53 miles an hour. No, it was yesterday morning. Take that back. It's intensified. But it could be a Category 4 storm when it hits uh, the U.S. So keep that in prayer and keep the people of Florida and Cuba and the Grand Caymans in that area in your prayer as well. Last night, and I hope we can talk tomorrow with our uh, science uh, guest, uh, Heather Geyser, about this. But uh, uh, the NASA, their planetary planetary defense test was, I guess, a success last night. They rammed this hypersonic speed defensive thing about the size of a vending machine into an asteroid the size of a football stadium to see if they could deflect it. Fortunately, not toward Earth. It wasn't a threat to Earth, but they wanted to do this test, and it looks like that was a success. So it's kind of cool. And I don't know if you're a science geeky kind of guy, uh, Ryan. No, but I totally agree with you. I'm looking forward to Heather's perspective tomorrow and painting it clearly because I, I can't wrap my mind around some of these things. I just talked about football stadium. <laughs> that's where I got you. <laughs> yes, yes, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. And coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to be looking at a raid that was done on a pro-life, well, I won't say protester, I guess you could say protester, but a raid on his home that was rather overboard. We'll talk about that with Nick Pitts from the Institute for Global Engagement shortly here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. going to be an interesting time in the neighborhood as well. I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen. Uh, Carmen out for the next few days. I'll be filling in through Friday. And joining me right now is one of our one of our favorite regular guests, Nick Pitts. He's a, a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Nick, hey, thanks for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Paul, great to hear from you. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Okay. I understand that if somebody has done something wrong or there's been a legal issue, yeah, you deal with it accordingly. But something happened recently. Uh, as a matter of fact, last Friday, wasn't it, where a pro-life uh, person was met at his house by overwhelming FBI presence. Kind of tell us the story behind that. Who is this person? Uh, Mark Houck, is it? Yeah, it, it's absolutely fascinating. Eleven months ago, Mark Houck, he is a Christian Catholic pro-life activist. For years, he has been writing. He's been speaking on the life issue. He has been, he's just been a strong advocate for life, doing everything from attending, uh, hosting events to even things like ministering on the sidewalk. I'm sure many of the listeners, many of our listeners know there's just individuals that just feel called to pray over, uh, pray in a legal way on, on the sidewalks or, um, or in certain close vicinity to these abortion clinics that individuals that are going in there might have their hearts changed and 
might say might be able to save the lives because of the prayers of those on the sidewalk. Well, Mark was one of those individuals. And back in October 20, uh, 2021, there was a volunteer at one of these Planned Parenthood clinics right outside of Philadelphia um, started getting in not only Mark's face, but Mark's 12 year old son's mm. face. Um, and cursing him and putting uh, just offering just vile language, according to the allegations from Mark, to the extent that finally Mark had to do something and he shoved this man and he pushed him back because he was just in his 12 year old's face. Well, fast forward 11 months later and this past this past weekend, um, Mark was greeted, uh, according to him, by 25 to 30 heavily armed FBI agents at gunpoint, even though he reportedly said that he was willing to go peacefully with his hands up and behind his back because he had his seven kids watching in the home, 25 mm. to 30, according to him, FBI agents raided his home and took him, uh, took him, uh, for questioning in front of his kids. It's just, it is, it's, it's, an ast- it's okay. just astounding. It's something that you just don't hear about, and it, it's just it's just befuddling to the mind how they have the proportional response to a man that has been peacefully protesting within the legal uh, uh, within the legal barriers, and then a seventy two year old man is pushed, and yet the local police find no merit to the claim, no merit to it, so they mm-hmm. wash. And then the FBI comes in 11 months later and a a father of seven at home with his wife, literally willing to voluntarily go in for questioning. You bring 25 to 30 agents and hold them at gunpoint so that you can take him in for questioning. It's just befuddling to the mind and a lack of proportional response that just is. It's just shocking. It is. It is mind blowing. I mean, I. Knowing a lot of FBI agents, okay, I don't know a lot of them, but they generally know how to handle people in rough situations. One guy with his wife and seven kids, and they have to, yeah, the proportional response. And I guess the flip side of it is, okay, since uh, even when, even before the Dobbs decision was issued when, you know, the leak happened and there's been this group. Uh, Jane's Revenge that has been leading, among other groups, attacks on pro-life facilities, against churches and ministries tied to pro-life causes. Great. Great point. Like, it, like it's just, it's befuddling that you're going to send 25 to 30, and there needs to be a rational response to this. There needs to right. be a response to the FBI from representatives of the government to help us better understand why there was a need to have this many, this stronger response to one individual after the local police had already settled the matter. Because what we know right now is that since early May, approximately 60 facilities, uh, pregnancy life centers that are offering counseling, supplies and services to pregnant women who choose not to get abortion, they've been targeted by pro-abortion radicals. And very few of these cases Cases have been addressed by the FBI and other governing officials. There was one attack in in New York uh, called Compass Care. Arsonists firebombed this in a in a, a very much a pro-abortion group known as Jane's Revenge wrote in graffiti on the clinic. Jane was here, and they've already openly de- openly declared that it's open season on these types of organizations that oppose abortion. It's just, you, you know, Paul. I I think you you need to pay for your crime. Like I understand mm-hmm. that there's 
but it needs to be one, a proportional response, and two, it needs to be justly handled. And right now, it, it seems as though the FBI, unless otherwise noted right now, just based on the reports that we have, and we could be wrong, but mm-hmm. right now it doesn't look like we're wrong. It, it, they have completely overplayed their hand in an egregious fashion against Mark Hawk. And then under-investigated greatly these 60-plus crisis pregnancy centers that are just trying to do good work to women that choose not to go through with an abortion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you know if uh, Hawk is still in custody or has he been released? Any word on that? Based on what I've read, I believe that he was released shortly thereafter. Hmm. And so he's out right now, which, again, it's just it's shocking that you would send and maybe I'm wrong on protocol, and I'd be I'd be happy to be corrected. It just makes very little sense to me that you would send 25 to 30 agents to a man's house to then very quickly release him thereafter the questioning. Just it's just very shocking and very strange. We actually. Um Back in August, on August 12th, we talked with Angela Franey. She's the executive director of Abrea Family Services here in the, our pregnancy services here in uh, the Twin Cities. They also, back uh, this summer, were attacked after the Dobbs decision. Uh, when we continue here on Mornings with Carmen, again, Carmen away, I'm Paul Perot, and talking with Nick Pitts, I want to... Okay, we just talked a little while ago about Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. How do we apply that bit of the mind of Christ to the situation. I'm going to take you there, Nick, if you're willing to go. No, I am more than willing to go. (laughs) Okay, we'll do that shortly. Thanks again. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot. Thanks again for listening. Remember, you can listen, well, usually online. We've had a few people saying, our app seems to be down again this morning, so we're going to be checking into that. Uh, Thank you for your patience. Talking right now with Nick Pitts, and we were just discussing, Nick, uh, about the situation with pro-life activist Mark Hawk, who over the weekend, his house was visited by quite a large number of FBI agents regarding a situation that happened 11 months ago. And it's, it was a minor altercation. The police at the time just kind of said, it, no, nothing here, nothing all that important happened here. Yeah, there was a minor tussle, but nothing that was a, a major issue. And yet we're dealing with this overwhelming attack on him by the FBI. And then we, as we just talked about the issue of many pro-life facilities and ministries and churches being attacked since May by a group called James Reven- Jane's Revenge. Again, applying the mind of Christ, we were focusing on Hebrews 14 and 15 at the start of the hour. And how do you see that applying in this situation? Yeah, I, I, I'm keenly aware of this understanding of one, uh, doing our best to keep the peace with all, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and I believe it to be true. If we go all the way back into political philosophy, so hopefully nobody falls asleep, uh, we know that our government holds a monopoly on violence, um, according to Max Weber. Uh, just drawing that from Hobbes, we believe it to be true that we're openly entering into and voluntarily giving up certain um, certain things when we enter into this social contract here in the U.S. that we are not going to resort to force because we're going to allow the police to be able to keep the peace, those government officials. And so when we're trying to keep the peace with individuals, what we're trying to do is we're emulating Christ who, though he was entitled to much, he gave it all up channeling that idea from Philippians 2, right? Um, when I'm keeping the peace, I'm wanting to do my best to be, turn the other cheek. But we also know that there's ramifications where we just get pressed over and, and we have to respond in a way that's not um, rational at times, that's not reasonable, that does break the peace. And that and that happened. And, I, and I'm just being completely honest. If I had a 72-year-old um, that was shouting, cursing at my son, a uh, 12 year old son, there, there probably would be, uh, I, I, I don't know how I would respond, but I, I think I would definitely, uh, there would definitely be an idea like Mark to enter my mind, to stop that man from doing that. And then, but then to recognize when we break the law, we, we have to suffer the consequences mm-hmm. for um, and that, and that's that's what we do. That's what we do as as Christians. When we're willing to believe it to be true, to stick true to our conscience, then we just have to be willing to, like the Hebrew midwives, uh, be willing to pay the punishment for that as well. What is not okay, and what is not, I would argue, right, is when you have government officials that have uh, that we have been trusted to keep the peace have. Uh, abused the power and their monopoly on force to such an extent that it's doing more than simply just trying to enact the peace. And that's when questions get raised about the about the uh, just the credibility of such agencies to be able to continue without reforms being addressed. We're all keenly aware as of late, just uh, news, um, just through various stories, whether it's Matt Gates and the latest news coming out of Florida relative to him, whether it's uh, just name the issue. There's just instances where it seems as though the government officials have kind of overplayed their hand, to say the least, and have withdrawn credibility. That does require us to think twice uh, about such entities that are in desperate need of reform, it appears. Okay, so I guess I, I yeah, I hear what you're talking about, trying to, yes, reforms need to be done, and we need to advocate for that. How do we do it in a gracious manner, I guess, is the is always the, the hard thing to de- decipher. Yeah, well, yeah, what I, would, what I would argue is the beauty is that America has a system in which it, it does offer that opportunity True. for us, right? Um, it, it offers opportunity for us to run for office. It offers opportunity for us to free, freely assemble and to use our speech in such a way that we might be able to offer up a, um, reforms with our speech as well as in assemblies and forming coalitions to bring about such reforms um, through the protocols and practices that are prescribed within our governing documents. Then just from an individual perspective, I think the first component has got to be like Nehemiah to pray. When he saw that the walls were torn down, uh, um, the, his first instance was to um, was to uh, uh, prostrate himself before the Lord and ask God to be able to give him wisdom and guidance as to next steps forward. And 52 days later, he was able to complete his project. I think there's a matter that prayer is the great need here to not only pray for our enemies, 
but also pray for wisdom and courage to be able to make the right decisions as to next steps forward. And then, um, and then I'm also figuring out, I'm asking God, not only what do I need to do, but who do I need to be as well? Um, because it's not just a matter of what we do, it's how we do it as Christians that's just as important. And so asking God to just refine my character in such a way that I might be usable to Him. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah is an interesting study, if anybody ever wants to go, how he handled um, the various situations he was in, including starting out within the uh, court of the emperor at the time, and that is an interesting study. <laughs> Anyway, we're talking with Nick Pitts from the Institute for Global Engagement here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot, and have time to talk about just one more thing, Nick, and it's it's total change of topic. But since you brought it up, uh, it came up in the uh, daily briefing that the Institute for Global Engagement puts out yesterday. I, I thought we should talk about this. There was a survey done recently asking people, is it okay to, you know, Go into a store, say you're, you have an event coming up, you want to look nice, you go and get the suit, you get the dress, and then after the event, you return to saying, well, you know, I, it didn't fit, I didn't like it, or what, anyway. Y- hey, can you believe this? Yes. That's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. <laughs> Taking the Sunshine Band sang it, and some Americans, when they wear a piece of clothing, only wants to return it. Yeah, there was a, the, the study that Paul is referring to is that 43% of the respondents and for, uh, uh, think that this idea of wardrobing, this idea of buying a piece of clothing with the intention of returning it after wearing it, 46% rather, think that that uh, uh, should be considered a serious legal offense. Hmm. As Christians, we know it to be true that that's just a, a form of stealing, right? Uh, you're, it's fine. You're, buying it, using it, and depriving the store owner of a place to be able to uh, find uh, a forever home for it. According to a survey, about 20% of shoppers admitted to buying items with the intention of wearing them and returning them. Retail sales have uh, jumped relative to returns. It's upwards of 20% of retail sales online relative to clothing mm-hmm. uh, are returned now. And so I, I, I think it just calls for us just to figure out ways to, if we're to be above reproach, if we're to be bright lights in, dark, in a dark place, I think we know stealing robs God of his glory and the store owner of a chance of a state of a sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and and we can fool the stool stool owner store owner rather, but you, you can't mock God. And I think that, that that isn't necessarily the right way to be able to conduct yourself in the marketplace. Again, this is how you apply, you know, the kingdom principles in in life. And I, I look at this; it's like, yeah, you're you're depriving. I, I like. I found it interesting. You're talking about finding that item of forever home. It's like it's a piece of clothing. Does home? But it, but still, I, I get the point. It's like the purpose of the business for them to stay viable. They need to sell their wares, and if you're depriving them of the sale, yeah, that's if you intend to use it, right? So you're you're essentially using it, but then also uh, wanting to and uh, use it without charge. And there's services to be able to rent clothing. I would argue, and I think those are that's what they sell. And exactly. That's why that's why the clothing is a little bit cheaper is because you're going. It's the intention of returning it. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then I think that would be the better option for you. There you go. Well, Nick, thanks again for joining us. Hope we can catch up with you in a couple of weeks again here on Mornings with Carmen. So great to be with you, Paul. Have a great day. All right. Thank you so much. Again, Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot. Let's listen uh, to a little bit of Max Lucado.
Again, thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen on this Tuesday. I'm Paul Pro filling in for Carmen today and through the rest of the week as, again, uh, keep her in prayer. In about a half hour, she'll be going uh, through surgery to remove a cancerous melanoma from her neck. So, yeah, she'll be taking some time off as she recovers from that. Uh, we're actually going to talk a little bit of medicine regarding cancer and actually some good news about that coming up next hour when we talk to Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Up next, okay, maybe you've heard about this. There's so much I know. The news is just a swirl of news out there, but it's been interesting what's been happening in Iran. All right, there was a death of a Kurdish, uh, Kurdish Irani woman who was not, according to the morality police there, properly wearing her hijab. Well, she unfortunately died in custody after what looks like a severe beating. And that's been sparking a lot of protests in Iran and around the world. We're going to talk in just a bit with Luke Moon about that from the Philos Project, one of our regular guests here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening. The wise men will bow down before the throne And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns When the man comes around Brian shaking his head at me, I was air guitaring, which is the only type of guitar I can play. It was good, it was really good, it was well done. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm Paul Perot filling in for Carmen today on Mornings with Carmen. Usually the producer, but they needed some help because Carmen is out today. But with us, as usual, on every other Tuesday is Luke Moon from the Philos Project, and he also writes for Providence Magazine at Times. Hey Luke, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's good to be with you, Paul. It is good to have you with us because there is so much going on in the world. And I want to get to the uh, Iranian protest here in a bit, but I want to start off. Uh, it seems like the there's been a lot of talk over the weekend. There were elections in Italy. And like many other yeah. of, the, of the European countries, there seems to be a resurgence of right-of-center politics um, and even some far-right and or as some headlines called it hard-right and then I heard some stuff about Italy going hard-right with the with the uh, elections they had that brought the Fratelli d'Italia, the Brothers of Italy party into well, into more power. There's still a coalition government of these right-of-center parties. Uh, tell us a bit about what's going on there uh, and who this uh, Giorgia Maloney is. Yeah, well, Georgia Maloney is actually the first female prime minister, and and if you if you are reading general American newspapers, even the you know the major uh, networks, you know that that part is plays second to the fact that she's considered uh, well by the by the left in America to be hard right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're they're throwing around the word fascist. Uh, you know, like. It, it's, which is very unhelpful, right? Because it means that, you know, eventually it will become like a lot of other words that are used, which lose their meaning. And then it allows for actual fascists to, to, to reign. Because honestly, uh, I mean, she won uh, because of her message. And her message, uh, it's a message that is actually resonating all across Europe. Europe Europeans, I think, you know, if... if the, the lockdowns had not been uh, so extreme in in Italy. Perhaps you know she wouldn't have come into power. Per, you know if the if they had been more sensitive about you know it had immigration policy. Um, you know even the 
stuff related to kind of more social issues like, uh, you know, the, the issues with LGBT. I mean, one of the things that happened in, in Europe, uh, you know, the, there was there was the decision made in Poland concerning, you know, the promotion of LGBT stuff. And and in response, the the Germans, you know, draped their entire soccer stadium in in the rainbow colors. Mm. Right. So it's that yeah. kind of stuff is happening in Europe. So what you have is, you know, there's a coalition of people who are on the right who are concerned about the direction of of Europe and and these nations in particular. And and. You know, see what Poland and Hungary have done. I mean, there was a there was elections in Sweden a couple of weeks ago that also uh, brought in a, uh, a, a center right party that uh, did pretty well, um, and and the coalition that was on the left they fell. Um, so you have that kind of stuff. So to me, I mean, there's a there's a there's a video going around of of. Georgia um, Maloney speaking at a conference in which she's saying, you know, we 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 have to stand for the family. Mm-hmm. We we need to stand against what she calls, um, you know, financial speculators. Like basically, you know, her her issue seems to be, uh, you know, people are being stripped of their identity so they'll be better consumers, mm-hmm. right? The very mm-hmm. kind of kind of blatant economic you know, way of looking at things. And, and so I think her message resonated and she won. And, and like I said, she's the first prime female prime minister in Italy. Uh, but you wouldn't know that uh, because everybody's obsessed with the fact that she's supposedly far right. Yeah. And now she's a professing Christian too, right? Yes. Yes. And actually the, I mean, there was other seats in Italy that were also unexpectedly went, uh, in favor of, of people on the right. Um, there was a major uh, upset in in a seat in in Rome um, that went to a went to a very strong Christian candidate, um, and so it's you know it's one of those things that there was a few years ago I would say maybe ten years ago there was a wave of of uh, right wing parties that came into power uh, in Europe uh, you know and they ruled for a little while and then the left came back I mean it's you know it's it's kind of like America, but you know the the whole label of far right, I think, is a bit much. Um, you know, and and th- like I said, the the overuse of the word fascist is be- to me becoming very problematic mm-hmm. because you know one of the things that happened here in the United States with the whole white supremacy label, right? It if everything suddenly becomes white supremacy, then nothing's white supremacy and the actual white supremacists are, are off the hook because, you know, they can now hide or because the, the, the words are meaningless. And I fear that's, you know, that's where things are going with these words like fascist too. Yeah. We're going to be linking a few articles up on the show or the show notes today on Mornings with Carmen when we post the podcast. And one of them is, does talk about uh, Georgiana Maloney's uh, faith. It was an article that I got from the Christian uh, News Europe news site, and that kind of outlines. They actually translated from another site, but anyway, long story short, it'll give you some information about uh, about uh, Georgia Maloney and what she's doing. Let's shift gears, Luke, and we're, again, we're talking with Luke Moon from the Philos Project, and you've been following this closely. What's been happening in Iran with these protests that arose after a woman died for not properly wearing her hijab? 
Right. Uh, it, these there was a woman. Her name was uh, Masa Amini. Uh, she was basically beaten to death by the morality police. They have they have in Iran a morality police, um, and and her death really sparked. It was the spark of a just a wave of protests across the country, mostly uh, led by women. Lots of women in the protests. Lots of you know women burning their hijab. And um, at this point, about seventy-five people have died in the mm. protests on on kind of both sides, if you will. The you know the police have have there have been pe- police that have been beaten to death and stuff. But you know there there is a uh, this is the lot probably the largest protest in Iran since 2019. Um, you know, and one where I mean, one of the problems that that I keep seeing with these kind of uh, popular protests that keep rising up all over the world is because they 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 don't stick for whatever reason. I mean, we, you know, we've talked about you know there was the trucker protests in Canada and there was the farmer protests in. The Netherlands and and uh, Germany and and stuff like that, and now these there's these protests, and it doesn't seem like the governments ever cave. And I think it's because they finally figured out that they can outlast or outweigh, you know, the protesters, and the protests will kind of fizzle away because these things are often started by social media, and because they tend to be leaderless. They have no stickiness to them. Mm. They have no, you know, there's nobody to kind of rally behind or rally them or kind of uh, lead the fight, if you will. And as a result, they kind of fizzle out. So, you know, the protests have been going strong for for a, a you know a week and a half, two weeks now, but it's becoming less and less in the news. Um, you know, the secret police are rounding up anybody who seems to be coming into leadership on this thing. The other thing happening in Iran that is, is kind of related to this is uh, Khomeini, who is the, the, you know, the head religious leader of Iran uh, has been very sick. Um, He's very old. He had uh, like an emergency surgery on his stomach. Uh, He canceled all his meetings. It was likely that he was, uh, it looked like he was going to, to die at any moment he seems to have held on uh but his death would certainly you know bring about a pretty systemic change in the country in uh, which direction it would happen but it seemed i mean it would be it would be a big deal especially as we're you know there's the negotiations over the iran deal still and you know iran getting a nuclear weapon and it's it's support for uh, you know, terrorist regimes throughout the region and that kind of thing. So it's important, I think, you know, that, you know, some a situation like this could really bring about the kind of change that, you know, I think people would, would like to see, you know, a, a, an Iran that is, that is free and Iran that is not nuclear and not supporting terrorists. Mm. Uh, one qu- more question on the Iranian front, because, okay, we, we've heard reports about how the Christian church has been exploding in Iran, and largely yep. with women. And so yep. any word on if uh, the church in Iran is part of these protests in any major way? Well, I haven't heard that that uh, they're being kind of involved in any 
like organized way. But mm-hmm. you're, I mean, you're right. I mean, the the fastest growing church in the world is is in Iran, uh, and it has been for a, for a long time. It's it's primarily uh, a lot of it's kind of connected to uh, satellite. There was a there was major kind of satellite ministry, satellite TV ministry mm-hmm. uh, that that you know led people to the Lord, and then. Also, then subsequently, there's there's almost like seminaries type things that you can that, you know, where people are trained up to go and uh, lead churches and house groups and um, Bible studies and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, the thing is, you know, the perception, you know, from the West towards Iran is that, you know, a country like Iran, everybody is Muslim and therefore everybody's like devout or whatever. And that's just not really the case in in the Middle East at all. I mean, I have, I mean, I, one time when I was getting my haircut in Nazareth, and I asked the guy getting my giving me my haircut, "Are, are you Christian or Muslim?" He he said, "Well, I'm a I'm a Christian." And I said, "Well, what church do you go to?" He said, "Well, what church? I'm an atheist." So you had, you know, so this guy had, you know, self-identified as a Christian and an atheist, and the reason he can do that was because. The Christian identity is not a is not faith, but more cultural and social. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that that's what Iran is like with the Muslims. There's not as many they're not as devout, I think, as as the perception is out from the West that, you know, it's a whole nation of super devout people. No, I mean, they're I mean, you look at their fertility rate is is not better than any other countries in, in Europe, which means that, which typically is a signal, um, of secularism, right? How, you know, secular people have less kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these factors I think play into, you know, Iran's demographics, but also, you know, the potential for it to really be a, a different kind of place in the next, you know, decade or so for sure. We're talking with Luke Moon here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. When we continue, I'm going to quickly go to Washington because there was a vote on the recommissioning of the U.S. Commission, or reauthorization, I should say, of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. And it was an interesting vote. We'll talk about that. Plus, go to the situation in Ukraine and and the latest turmoil there. So, again, thank you. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot filling in here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day. We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening.
Good night, Paul Pro. Thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen. Uh, just without Carmen today and through Friday. Carmen will be back on Monday here on Faith Radio. I get the opportunity right now to talk to Luke Moon from the Philos Project. Actually, you and Luke, you and I usually talk, you know, beforehand, you know, behind everybody's yes. back, and then you and yes. Carmen get to talk. So this, it's kind of fun actually talking with you in front of people's backs or... I know. I, I like I said. I, my my uh, the top of my page says "Call with Paul" oh. instead of calling him in the mornings. Right there, there so, you go. Well, yeah. thanks again. Uh, I want to quickly talk about this. Don't want to spend too much time on it, but I want to draw this to people's attention. What happened a week ago yesterday? There was a reauthorization. Uh, a uh, motion in the U.S. House that passed for the reauthorization of the U.S. Commission on International Religious uh, Freedom, and. Although it passed overwhelmingly, 402 to 4, those four no votes and plus 26 lawmakers who didn't vote were interesting. Tell us about that. Yeah, the so the there were four uh, Republicans that voted against it. Uh, the four were Louis Gomer, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Tom Massey, and Chip Roy. Uh, and, you know, there, those are some, you know, very conservative um Republicans, particularly. Uh, and, you know, really it was, you know, it's unclear as to why they, you know, voted against it. One of them uh, said in a news report that he doesn't think that, you know, Congress needs to be involved in religion and telling religion what to do, which I appreciate. But it's at the same time, I mean, the UN, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom is, is, is actually not a bad uh commission i mean i i I know several people who have served on it who who are on it right now and they they do some they raise the issue of of religious freedom around the world and one of those i mean it's religious freedom is one of those kind of first freedom frameworks because if you don't have religious freedom there's a lot of freedoms are are it's evident there are other freedoms that are at risk, right? right? You know, freedom of, of religion, freedom of conscience, you know, basically is, you know, is a first freedom being, you know, not having to uh, adhere to any particular re- religion and being able to practice your religion freely is, is, is a hallmark of kind of Western civilization for a long time. Uh, and, you know, it's, I get the kind of objection. Uh, I mean, it was going to pass anyway. So mm-hmm. it would have been that, that these people were going to like use it, you know, as a, uh, as an opportunity to, you know, make a, you know, to make their point on, you know, religion or that, you know, religious freedom or whatever. So it's a, it is strange though that, it, yeah. that, or that, that, you know, voted against it. It is, it is quite strange. We only have like two, three minutes here, so we're going to have to really talk fast. But okay, right now yep. there's this referendum going on in some of the Ukrainian territories currently being occupied by the Russians, uh, Russia trying to annex them. Uh, tell us a bit, okay, what is their referendum process? Because it, it just, it looks weird. Well, it is weird because it's basically it's it's very, you know, last minute. It's like, oh, let's do a referendum and and therefore justify this is the Russians are saying this justify our our takeover of of Ukrainian territory. Uh, And Russia, you know, is preparing to formally annex uh, 
a, a about 15% of Ukraine. The, this area where, where Russia ha- is, is, you know, having this referendum and, and claiming annexation, you know, has had, uh, it's been where the, the Russian separatists have, have held that territory for a long time. I mean, like, you know, places like Crimea, where it was, you know, it was Ukrainian territory, but, you know, under uh, Obama, actually, uh, Russia seized uh, Crimea from Ukraine, took their port, took a couple of, you know, battleships in the process. And, you know, the world was like, oh, that's weird. Uh, But now they're, you know, they're they're it gives uh, Russia the opportunity, though, if they claim annexation or have these referendums, it gives them kind of a foothold in international law. Um, and that's what they're after here. Um, and also could re it could, you know, if there, if there comes a point where the, the Russia Ukraine war becomes so entrenched that the world's like, yeah, the guys, you know, let, figure out a peace deal. Uh, you know, these territories might, uh, you know, it, it gives, it gives Russia, an ability to say, no, these are ours and we annex them and we had a referendum and people are supporting it, even though the, re- you know, people, people are, are voting in the referendums with guns to their head. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, they're, they're voting and, and nevertheless, it's, it provides, a you know, at least the the veil of legitimacy uh, by the by the Russians. Yeah. I, I but it's it's all for I think future kind of use yeah. uh, in in whatever kind of because there ultimately will be a you know a, a, a you know a treaty or a peace negotiations were, are gonna happen at some point it's always the case and so what's those terms and where's the lines gonna be drawn and that kind of thing right but. One thing I'm going to add to the show notes, we don't have to tom- time to talk about right now, but Providence Magazine, one of your uh, colleagues there writing an article about the recent partial mobilization and the different war strategies. And I thought, okay, for those interested, it's, it's an interesting read. So I'll put that in there in the show notes. But hey, Luke, thanks again for joining us in Mornings with Carmen, helping us keep apprised of what's happening in the world. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. This is Mornings with Carmen. And thanks again for listening. This is Faith Radio. This is Mornings with Carmen, just without Carmen. I'm Paul Perot filling in. Carmen, well, in the next few minutes, she'll be uh, going undergoing surgery again for the cancer. And we're going to talk a bit about cancer and actually some good news on the cancer front uh, when we talk to Brett Nix in the next hour. Thanks again for listening to Mornings with Carmen on this, uh, on this Tuesday. Remember, if you miss any part of the show, later you can find the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com and on the Faith Radio app. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.